we shall start. We're going to be in Joshua 2 tonight. And call this, you know, we all, we all like a good spy movie, don't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got the spies tonight. We love Israeli spies and Rahab. Yeah, she's a star here tonight. Actually, it's she's the main character here this time. There's Audrey. How you doing? <laughs> she slips in. I caught you. I caught you. <laughs> you can't slip in there like that. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, redemptive history is a term that you'll uh, hear some uh, what, and it's really that uh, the Bible is the historical count of Christ saving His people from their sins. That's redemptive history, to redeem them. And throughout history of redemption, you meet some very interesting people. And like Penny said, she loves Rahab. Quite the story. This is an interesting person. Um, she's a woman who's a notorious sinner. She's known as Rahab the... Everybody knows that. And yet, she appears in the book of Matthew in the genealogy of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? You're talking about the grace of God. This gives us all hope, doesn't it? Yep. Anyway, she's not only uh, seen there, but she's commended in the New Testament in Hebrews 11 and also in the book of James. Rahab is. Um, of course, in this story, you have the two spies and they're sent out by Joshua. And they come to this owner of this inn, which happens to be Rahab, who is a prostitute. But she helps the spies and she risks her own life by actually doing this. And so she hides the spies in her own place that she has there. And, of course, uh, she, she becomes the first convert in Canaan. You know, to Israel's God, um, Rahab, a prostitute, an ancestor of Jesus, and she had to have heard about Yahweh all this many years. She believes that Israel's God is the one who has given Israel the land that they're going to get where she lives. Of course, they have moved on along and they've defeated uh, some other people, the Ammonite kings, Og and Bashan. And so anyway, what we're going to do tonight is go into the city of Jericho where the Canaanites live. And as we go in there, we'll realize that uh, we're going to see how the, the people fought of the Israelites and what they were doing and before the Israelites even take the city. It's kind of the idea here. So, um, anyway, that's a little basis of the story. It shows you there's, there's a lot of depth here in uh, God's redemptive story that he has through Rahab. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your truth. Your word speaks. And may we be able to... Uh, Listen, understand you a little bit better. How you work. You are a very merciful, gracious, loving God. And whenever you not only save the Israelites, you also have a plan of saving Gentiles. And they all have shady backgrounds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> okay, well... Instead of reading all the way through, we'll just take it one few verses, one, two, three verses at a time, and uh, try to get some uh, depth out of this if we can. It's really uh, just a narrative. The story just goes along. It's a story. Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men as spies, secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. So there is the beginning of this. And this is the uh, how the covenant works. God made a covenant with Abraham. And when he made that covenant, it was not only 
with the people of Abraham, but it was to extend out to who? The rest of the world, the Gentile nations. Here we see it working right here in this chapter 2 as they go into the land. So it's not by accident how this happens. You know, God's working His plan even though nobody would think that that's how it works out, you know, beforehand, right? So, Joshua knows it's going to take good military intelligence to find out what is going on there. Um, It's going to take like three days. He's going to gather information. And so the spies cross over the river and they're doing it secretly. But somehow, the king finds out about them. So they're not so secret. He has his spies too. That's exactly what we're looking at, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they know that on the other side, everybody knows, it's common knowledge, everybody in Jericho knows about just uh, not that far away is the Israelites. And so at at least two men are in his city here spying for Israel. And uh, so the Israelites have been camped out across the river there uh, preparing to invade the city. Uh, the Canaanites have their scouts, their spies, and who knows, they might have even seen them crossing. Somehow, uh, the spies got ahead of them, though, way ahead of them, and they wind up coming to the place where they're uh, hiding out. I bet they got over like the ones in in uh, in Mexico, over in uh, like uh, where Juarez is at. You ever been in in Juarez and El Paso? No. No. Where else have you been? I haven't been there since any of the problems. Now, I was there before there was walls, the need for walls. Yeah, they well a lot of those would just they just swim over. You'd you'd be over on the bridge and you'd see those guys just you know. But, you know, they could only go so far, they, you know, they were, but they were out in the river and, you know, they were out there. I remember it was pretty, uh, it was pretty bad what they were doing, come to think about it. But, uh, and I won't go on any further on that. But, uh, you know, there us Americans were walking across, so they decided to give us a little show. Well, they, they stripped down to everything to, so they can keep their clothes dry. So they get across the other side, they won't know they came across the border because they won't be wet. So, so there you have That's why they're called, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, in verse 2, the spies are discovered. It was told, the king of Jericho saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. So the, the news got out real quick. The spies haven't been as uh, secretive as they uh, probably thought they would be. Um, now, it says that uh, the king of Jericho, Jericho sent word to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you. So they saw them go in. So th- they must have been tailed. And as they kind of went in there, now what, what we have here is Rahab actually is an owner of this place and it's, uh, it's not a brothel as we would think it would be. Uh, it's like an inn, or a lot of times they would call those taverns. And that's what she ran there, and it would, you know, they would bring in, people would come and stay the night there. It was like, you know, like our motels or what have you. Well, it's the only place you were getting food and everything. Sure. The travelers time. would come there, they'd stay the night. <laughs> yeah. they, would get, they would get food there. Uh, and so, quite a bit of different kind of services going on. Um... And so it was a good place for the spies because you got you got travelers that are coming through there too that are not necessarily people that who, who live in Jericho. I mean, why would they need uh, an inn to stay in, to lodge, right? So you've got a lot of people coming in, and so it's a good place to just kind of get lost in the shuffle of where the people at, and they can learn from some of these people, maybe. Uh, Strike up a conversation, find out what where the entrances are, 
uh, into the city. Uh, I can get in, get out, easy to clean a lot of that information. How are the roads, you know, around here? Where are the roads going to? So they're getting a lot of information here. Well, people aren't that been traveling those roads. Where does that go to? So how will the cops watch that road? Right. Yeah, there's certain spots. Where's the speed traps? Right. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, like, is, uh, like how many men are guarding the, right. you know, the is city the here? Guards out on the, the entrances. Area. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the robbers is easy, or do they got to patrol? Oh, they're patrolling it really well. Okay, don't take the roads. You know, yeah, stuff like that. You could just general conversation. So the place has a lot of outsiders there, and apparently the uh, spies didn't succeed. They were spotted pretty quickly, and, and, uh, the ones who followed them know exactly where to go to. And they go to uh, this this lodge, this place. And so uh, the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the women, the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Well, clear that uh, what happens later that Rahab recognized these two men as Israeli spies. Okay, She welcomed them into her home. Um, the king sends out the emissaries to go uh, get them and demand from the woman there these men. And I'm figuring they're thinking that they're going to get them turned over real quickly. Um, Rahab has quite a stark choice here, really, because it turned out that these two men would uh, that she's hiding, if she uh, doesn't turn them over, she's not going to get rewarded. And worse yet, she's probably going to get punished. So, and this is where this conversation comes in, where it is uh, famous uh, on dealing with this topic of lying. Uh, if she hid them, she'd be committing treason, right? Now, to set it all up, Rahab, and when we said it, she's already heard of Yahweh and what Yahweh has done for Israel. And she knows that the city of Jericho is going down. Israel is going to take this over too. Uh, she's become quite a believer in Yahweh. She sees the power of God and she's willing to risk everything, and that meaning her own life, because uh, this is absolute treason to do this. So I think we see the faith of Rahab here, don't we? A tremendous amount of faith that she has in what she does. And 4 through 7, you really see the courage that's involved. The woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me. Yeah. But I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. <clears throat> Pursue them quickly for you'll overtake them. Hasn't been that long. You'll catch them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax which he had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan. That's exactly where they had been. Oh, they're going back there. That's what they think. So there they go, to the forts. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. The gate shut on them now, too, when it says that. How are they going to get out? Okay, let's get into the controversy. The fact that Rahab lied to further God's purposes has been a fuel for a debate <coughs> ever since this story has probably been written. <laughs> Definitely, Christian ethicists argue this out. Question is, is it ever okay to lie to further the promises of God? That's the question. Now, there are, there are three views that are taken on this when the, the debates happen. One of them is called the lesser of two evils. The lesser of the evils, right? 
Of course, when, you know, we've heard that whenever there's two presidents, one of them you don't like at all, and the other one is not a whole lot better, right? Down through the years, that's, you know, we've heard of that. So, uh, there are times when none of the choices really are good ones, so we have to decide which is the least sinful. So, uh, that would be the first view, the lesser uh, of evils. Um, lying to maybe hide the, uh, the spies is the lesser evil. Right? That would be a lesser evil. Uh, evil being to turn over to uh, the, the spies, to the king of Jericho, who would have killed them. Right? That would be an, an even worse. Um, there's another one called hierarchianism. Hierarchy. And you have a hierarchy of, uh, I guess you could say, ethical absolutes. And so Christians have to choose the greater good, is the idea there. Uh, it's where God commands sometimes seem to conflict with the other, with another, where he has said it as something else in another spot. But we know that God never conflicts, does he? You know, we, it's, well, it's, you have the Ten Commandments and it says it's wrong right <clears> to murder. But then we have later when God sits there and tells you to take over and don't leave one anybody alive. You got you know, you know there's a you know. It goes with God's wisdom. It's you know, in our human minds it's a little bit harder to figure out. Right. Sometimes. And and it's like well we know that he can't contradict himself. We know that. But it seems like there's two different things that he's saying here. Right. And we know that that's not it. So, the greater good was to lie to the king's men to save the spies. And that would be a hierarchianism. Um, and they would say, in that case, they would say that actually Rahab did not sin because of that. There's no sin because she did the greater good. Um, that was to save their lives. There's a third view, and it is the non conflicting absolutes. God's absolutes do not conflict, right? Um, God's commands really have never conflicted. Um, and you think about the, the other one that we just talked about, hierarchy actually has some problems because it argues that God's commands can be set aside for certain right. situations, right. and now we have it where uh, where it says an absolute, we're never to lie. Yeah, Guess what? We've made that now. It's no longer for this particular situation. It's a uh, ethical situations, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. Who you love to be and God and all that. Yeah. Right. Situation yeah. ethics. Who makes those decisions? Right. Who decides that when that's just good? And, yeah. and those are tough. You know, uh, the end justifies the means. The means. Mm-hmm. What was that, Debbie? Well, I'm just thinking all through history. I think about the ones that lied to get the Jews out of those concentration camps yes. and, and hid and <laughs> yes. were just totally fake and the things that they did. And I mean, it's all through history that okay, we're supposed to obey God's. And they probably use this passage. They probably use this passage for <laughs> to, their to understanding. To, their understanding to, but but I go back on the one with Rahab. Is that she said they're new, and maybe she'd heard about the promises that that land was to be there, and it was given to them by the Almighty God. So they're just throwing that out there. Yeah. How much wisdom? Well, and you know the have? thing is, is that if she hadn't said that they were gone. If they, if she had turned them over, God would have taken care of it anyway. Yeah. Well, I think that's where we're heading here. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think, yeah, you know, we think it's do. Other things that said what? Huh? We just like do totally what we think to do, and you know, she was trying to save these guys' lives, and so she thought to do what she knew to do. God, yeah. she was a harlot. Yeah, she yeah. was a gentile she was a harlot. Pagan. Come on, she's a pagan. Yeah. How right? much of the word did she really know? <laughs> right, right. Well, Israelites on the other side of the Jordan before they went into take Jericho. Well, they defeated the kings. Then they camped out there. Uh, you know, I don't have the exact really? time. 
but you know, it was it was enough. It was days at least. You know, yeah, it was a length of, a length of time that they knew. Uh, no, uh, no. Of course, they'd been out, you know, in, in the out, wilderness right. for forty years. Wandered but then, then they made their procession on up, back. and of course, the kings, uh, Og, and, uh, you know, they defeated them. And so it's been very well known, very, um, uh, I guess you could say lately, what so they've I mean, already I done there. Everybody knew they were coming for 40 years, because when they left Egypt, they knew where they were coming. Oh, guess. They knew about this group of people that were out they there, yeah. about the Red Sea Crossing. <clears throat> yeah, for 40 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's Romans, Romans 3, 7 and 8. Now, this is interesting. This is about situation ethics. Or the end justifies the means. Paul <coughs> actually condemns that kind of idea, that thought. Because in Romans 3, 7, and 8, pretty clear here. But if through my lie, the truth of God abounded to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? He's putting it into a situation. If, the, if God is glorified and the truth of God is, abounds in glory because of my lie, you know, uh, why am I being judged as a sinner then? I'm a sinner because of that, right? I mean, that shows. And why not say, as we are slanderously reported, and as some say that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Their condemnation is just, if that be the case, right? Do you see what he's put forth in that in that sense there? Yeah, I was using a lot of that. The lesser of evil's choice takes sin seriously but seems to ignore passages like, how about 1 Corinthians 10? You guys know that one? Verse 13? When we read it, we'll go, oh yeah, of course. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond, beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Now I will say sometimes there's a lot of a common sense or some wisdom that has to be used because if you had somebody come up to you with a gun and said, you know, uh, uh, and they're crazy, a crazy person, well, they're all crazy. And, yeah. and granted, you know, it's like whether it be something dealing with your faith or whatever, you know, and if it means telling a lie, then, okay, God's going to control this anyway, but at the same time, sometimes you have to use common sense because this person is just out and out crazy, just wants to hear one thing. If he doesn't hear, he's going to shoot you. Chances are he'll probably shoot you anyway, right? Uh, but it's, it's like, wow, we have to use a lot of wisdom at situations like this. And uh, who knows what we're going to wind up saying or doing at that time. But I think this non-conflicting absolute uh, view is the one that's most faithful to the Word of God. Uh, I think it's, uh, it requires Christian, Christians to look for ways around it. Sometimes you don't have to be direct, but to... Uh, to work around that and try to get to the situation where it can be the, the most positive, what you would like, what would be best, but at the same time, you know, without lying. So, how do we do that? Well, does God condemn lying? Yes. Yeah. Does He require the protection of life? Yes. Yeah. Now, it doesn't contradict either one of those, but Rahab could have said nothing. They're going to check the place out anyway, probably. Or she could say, um, "When was this? You remember Jesus always? You'd ask, ask a, a question. question, and you'd ask them a question back. What time was this? You yeah. don't ever have to answer the question, really." She could have a conversation and never answer. She could have said, uh, "Come on and look around," hoping that she hid them real well, which I think she did. If they really check it out, they're probably going to find them. But you've heard of stories where God kind of blinds people's eyes, 
So anyway, uh, she did what she did. I don't condemn her uh, in any sense of the, the matter, but um, even if those spies turn out to be martyrs, is God's plan going to be thwarted? No. No. God's plan is, you know, this is all part of the plan anyway. How <laughs> he's using this, I don't understand it sometimes. All right? This is way beyond my thing. Well, he obviously <clears throat> used Rahab. Yeah. She was going to be part of this story. And I think that he was going to protect those spies. He did. But John Calvin has a really good, I think, answer for this. He says, as to Rahab's falsehood, we must admit that though it was done for a good purpose, it was not free from fault. For those who hold what is called a, a dutiful lie do not sufficiently consider how precious truth is in the sight of God. Therefore, although our purpose be to assist our brethren to consult for their safety and relieve them, it can never be lawful to lie because that cannot be right, which is contrary to the nature of God. And God is truth. And still, the act of Rahab is not devoid of the praise of virtue, although it was not spotlessly pure, for it often happens that while the saints study to hold the right path, they deviate listen to this, into circuitous, circuitous courses. Now that's, what's that mean? Circuitous courses. And you go around the matter, right? Now he said that, was that easy to understand? Calvin actually is really easy to understand. And what he said, we go, yeah, that, that's true. At the same time, he's commending her, but it says, uh, we want to hold to the right path as Christians, but yet sometimes we go into circuitous courses sometimes, don't we? In any case, as a result of Rahab's actions, and that's what Calvin said, we still see her actions. The spies are safe, and she's commended for her action that she took in the New Testament. Go to Hebrews 11, Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11, 29. Uh, it's actually around 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Right there, she is in the hall of faith. With people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. <laughs> Go on, you think, wow. She's in there, and she was a Gentile. She lied. Yeah, but you got like David well, in there. Well, don't you think yeah. she was most likely held accountable for the lie, as we all are held accountable <laughs> for our sin. But she went on to save the lives of the spies. And so, yeah. do I know anybody that doesn't sin <laughs> at all? I mean, we could, you know... She lied. She was doing because, it, it, but was still, as far as she knew, this because she was believing in God. Exactly. And we know that she that do. yeah. She did the only thing she needed to do. Yep. So that's what she did, and here it is. There's where she found, and uh, faith was already there. She already believed in this and this Yahweh, and that He's going to come in and destroy our city, and. The Israelites are going to take whatever they want. I mean, they're just going to keep on moving on. She knows that because it's God who's doing it. Because no way that these people should have done what they've already done. Now in James 2, Hebrews, James. Just a few pages over. 24 and 25. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now we saw the faith in Hebrews 11, right? 
But what always accompanies faith? Works. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? So there we are. Wow. (laughs) Highly commended, isn't she? And of course, you look in Matthew chapter 1, she's included in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I mean, she's an ancestor of Jesus being the Gentile Canaanite that she was, the very people that God was going to wipe out. And it's in verse uh, 5. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Salmon is connected to who? Obed, Jesse, David. Now, there's like 400 years there. Sometimes in these particular genealogies, the, uh, there are uh, people that are skipped that are in that line. So Rahab was the mother of Boaz. Yeah. yeah. And we know Boaz is the one that's with Ruth, mm-hmm. who is another Gentile. Mm-hmm. And I like this one because it shows where they match up. And it's in Salmon, is in both the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew. Because uh-huh. that's part of, from Abraham to, to David, they match exactly. Right at the heart of the matter there, isn't it? So, anyway, we see her in high esteem as far as uh, her faith and her works and uh, who she was. Pretty incredible. So, that's why we like and love this lady that is the star of this chapter tonight, Rahab. Rather incredible. Point is, is that while Rahab lied, and of course we covered that, you know, lying is a sin, but she believed God's promise. And then she acted upon that belief. So it's faith and then works. She had faith first. And then you, you act upon that. You don't have works first, and that means, oh, you're a faithful person. You know, it's because of the faith that she had. So. There we have that story. I think that is so incredible. Get back to Joshua here. There is nowhere in the Bible that it says we're saved by works. No. But... There, it was justified by works. But James is always saying, you say you have faith? Good. Show me your works. If you have faith, you will have works. And of course, that is the book the Roman Catholics love to quote from. Of how you're, It's not justified by faith alone. You're justified by works. So therefore, it looks like James is right and Paul is wrong. No, they're both right. But it's it's the faith that starts with that. Yeah, because it's amazing. As I think back on my life, there was never a time that my works were going to glorify God. Right. <laughs> Not until I had faith. Not until I had faith. That's exactly right. There's a passage that I like where the Lord contends the Pharisees and tells them, they say, I did this in your name right. and that in your name, and the Lord right. says, I never knew you. Who dark on me? Right. And it's like, okay, so what the works do? They had works. Good where the but, works. Right. Because apparently you had no faith. Faith. And of course, Paul argues that at length all through his letters. But James comes along not to uh, challenge Paul, but to, to show here's what faith is. Does faith me, works? Don't tell me you've got faith and, and you're still living a life of sin. Exactly, right. And that's what James is all about. Yeah. So there had to be him there to, you know, keep that perfect balance. So Rahab has a request, eight through fourteen. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof, said to the men, "I know that the Lord has given you the land." <laughs> Did you guys catch that? Mm-hmm. I know. 
The Lord. And guess, look at the word Lord there. What is that? That's Yahweh. Has given you the land. That's the one true God, right? Now they have all sorts of gods over there in Canaan, right? I know the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of the land, look at this, have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. <laughs> That's a miracle. Before when you came out of Egypt, knows all about it. They all know that. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, look at this, our hearts melted. You know, the spies, this is all they got to hear. They, they've heard enough. They've seen enough. They're ready to get back. Because all the people are fearful. They've melted. This, this is over before it even starts. That's what's great about this right it's here. The fear of the Lord, right? Yeah. And no courage <laughs> remained in any man any longer because of you. Did you catch the word courage? For the Lord, Yahweh, your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Oh, yeah. Now therefore, and, and here's where she makes a request. Please swear to me by the Lord, by Yahweh, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household, my whole family, and give me a pledge of truth. And I and spare my father and my mother and my brothers, my sisters, with all who belong to them. It's quite a few people. Yeah, and deliver our lives from death. No telling how many of are each in, the, in each of those families for that one family right there, right? So you, so the men said to her, "Our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours." And it shall come about that when the Lord Yahweh gives us the land, that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So, she has a bold confession, doesn't she, Penny? Sounds like to me. Maybe her whole family, they've had many discussions about what had went on, and maybe you know, because she's also asking Granny for this. Yeah, how many of, he, of these are believers, too? Right. <laughs> it sounds like she's like, because she's like, basically, I'm kind of reading that her family, her her father's whole household has some respect, or, you know, something is going on with them also. I'm sure her faith didn't remain with her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I would imagine she talked to her family about guess who I guess who came here tonight she knows it yeah back there when she talked about the men the men of the land has melted their they melted uh, what their hearts or something was melted away they lost any interest in any trying to deal with them well, I keep thinking of the veggie tails. <laughs> <laughs> the, the vegetables? Oh, all yeah. those guys up on top of the wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, here's something really cool. Okay, Moses, children of Israel, getting out of Egypt, and the, Moses writes the song, right? whenever uh, the sea is divided, right? The people go through it. He writes the Song of Moses. Look at Exodus 15, 15 and 16, and it says it right here of what was going to happen. 15, 15 of Exodus. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. That's the leaders of Moab. That's where they'd been. Had been coming right up through there on the other side of the Jordan. Trembling grips them. Look at this. All the inhabitants of Canaan have what? Melted away. Terror and dread fell upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone. Until your people pass over, O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased. 
and you will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Moses said this in prophecy. Like, what, 40 years later? It's happening. The people are melting. Who did that come from? Rahab told the spies that they are fearing you. They're melting. They don't have a chance. The spies have done their job. Time to go back. Let's go. Job done. They're standing there going, It's all they needed to know. This is so she pleads with them to ensure that not only her life, but her family and her family's family and their families, however many that was, will be spared when Yahweh leads the Israelites to victory over Jericho. And so, you know, in verse 14, they see the spies assuring her. And it was likely that Rahab has been a believer for some time here, or at least a little bit before this. And, no doubt, because of being in the line of David and then the Messiah, ultimately, she has to marry a Jew. And, I I think that would explain being in the ancestry of Jesus, right? And so, you know, the, I think of the beauty that's, that's well, there. Well, if you think about it, I don't know how old Rahab might have been at this time when the spies came, but if the Jews were out there wandering around for 40 years and, you know, across the Red Sea before that, she probably heard about this all her life. Yeah. <laughs> and here she is owning this place now. Yeah. So, you know, she could be, we don't know, 40, 50. And she's a, she had been a prostitute up to who knows whenever you know it was. But when she became a believer, I think that that left. But she still has this, this inn. That's how she makes her... It's a hospitality area. So, the plan of the escape is this. Remember the walls, uh, she's right at the walls, that's where her house is, and this business. And the, what? The gates have been shut, haven't they? Mm-hmm. How are they going to get out, right? Then she let them down by a rope through the window. For her house was on the city wall that she was living on the wall. Isn't that yeah. interesting? <laughs> Prime real estate, who knew, right? They had fortified, of course, there were fortified cities in those days, and this was heavily fortified, Jericho. The walls were erected on even uh, pre-existing buildings. And uh, maybe up there, she hid them up there on a roof, maybe. Uh, kind of like a crawl space, possibly. That was a good flax, hiding place. That's where the flax were at. So it must mm-hmm. be, maybe there was even racks where they dried all that up on the roofs. Right. <coughs> so she could hide them out of, out of, uh, out of sight there. And they could escape right out of Rahab's window, you know, by climbing down using the rope. And uh, I guess her house was up high enough that she she had a roof. So she's way up there. They're coming down on, on with that rope then. And she wants to make sure that the spies don't get caught. You know, I mean, you know, this whole thing. She wants to be delivered, but she wants to be with these people. And she really cares about them. Mm -hmm. So she says in, um, in 16, Okay, go to the hill country. That's the opposite direction. It's not go back home, or, or back to, to camp. In that way, right now, go up to the hill country, where they'll they'll be able to circle back around. And because where are the other guys at? They went right where they came from, and she knows because she told them that. Now she could have had them caught and everything, you know, and got her got them out of the building, and she's cool and everything. But um, no, she's really protecting these guys. 
She says, so that the pursuers will not happen upon you and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, we shall be free from this oath to you which you have made us swear unless when we come into the land you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down and gather to yourself and to the house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. You know, we're not responsible for that. And we shall be free. But anyone who is in your house, his blood should be on our head if a hand is laid on him. So they're making it very clear. Yeah, we got you. You got us. Let's make sure we get this right now. Okay, it's what we're going to do for you. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which you have made us swear. She said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away. They departed. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. So she helps with this plan of being able to get out of there. And uh, she's going to keep her part of the bargain, isn't she? Uh, There's conditions that the spies bring forth. And uh, so they go into the hills. And they do, because she knows the area. She knows that they'll they'll be safe that way. And it, it talks about the the scarlet th- uh, thread there. You you know you think of uh, Passover. Whenever they were to put the blood upon the lentils, uh, the, the the post, you know, the door doorpost, and that was to protect the firstborn. Well, here we have this scarlet thread. You know that's. That will be seen, and they will be protected, and they're right at the wall, obviously, um, and it's protected from destruction. God will make sure that that part of the wall is going to be safe. As many as you can get in the house. <laughs> that must be a pretty good sized place to have an inn, at least a few rooms for people. So as many as she could get into the family, which I'm sure she got them all in there. And they're protected. So, she's quite a bargainer, isn't she? And so they go right up there with it, and so it closes out. The the spies now are going to return back to Joshua. They departed, came to the hill country, remained there for three days until the pursuers returned, returned back to Jericho. Now the pursuers had sought them all along the road, but had not found them. That means they really checked them out, you know. And, and of course they were they probably had all sorts of uh, soldiers out there you know along the roadways and highways and byways you know that just links it back to the the river there but nobody saw them so whenever it was all clear the two men returned came down from the hill country crossed over came to Joshua the son of Nun and they related to him all that had happened to them they said to Joshua surely The Lord, listen to this, Yahweh has given all the land into our hands, moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. There we go. They knew Moses' song, and now they heard that Rahab had told them that they've all melted there. They are fearful. The spies returned to Joshua with vital intelligence. They had all that they needed to hear, right? That is the most fallible plan ever. I mean, that should never work. Only God could do that. That's right. Only God could do that. That's the whole idea of this, isn't it? That's the idea of it. Well, what was the morale of the inhabitants there? Scared to death. He's given us all the land. It's in our hands. He's given it to us. They're melting away. So that the report that the spies brought back to Joshua should have built their confidence, and it did. Now, there were spies before. Uh, Who knows? Is Caleb another one of these spies again? One of these two? Uh, We don't know. But uh, he did it before, and he was only one, and one other one. 
Joshua and Caleb, right, had spied out the land before. They brought good reports too. This time, the people listen and they are ready. That gave them confidence and ready to strike they were. See, they didn't know what they were ready for. They were just ready. It's good to hear. It's great news, isn't it? You'll believe what we just heard, guys. (laughs) While we see that the land promised about to be realized when Israel enters Canaan here, you know, we're also witnessing the blessings of the covenant of grace to Canaanites, to Gentiles. And it's always through the blood of Jesus. And guess what? She is in the line before Jesus is ever born. What is this? 1,400 years? Is that what it is? Something like that? That's going to, that the Messiah is going to come. But, you know, she's in that line. And so, even for Canaanite prostitutes, he died for. Rahab is an ancestor of him. And because she believed Yahweh's promise. And boy, she she knew a lot, didn't she? For not hearing a lot about him directly. Yeah. Without the written word of God. She was justified through faith. She was justified through faith. Her sins were forgiven. There we go. And whenever the people hear this report of the spies, you can imagine the amens that they're saying. All right. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, anyway, I think that is rather encouraging to see how God works out His plan and uh, uses people that would be the most unlikely. Isn't that great? Let's pray. Lord, You are the redemption story. You have provided it. You provided the sacrifice, Jesus Christ, and that is the reason that our sins are forgiven. And what a monument that You've made through different people. We uh, remember this Rahab who plays such a key role in your story of redemption and for victory, triumph. Thank you for the story because it gives hope to everyone because it's through the Messiah and His blood shed for our sins is how we are saved. In Jesus' name, Amen. That's a neat chapter, isn't it?